All right, that was the anticipation factor. Uh, If you have your copy of Scripture, please turn to the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 1, just in verses 26 and 27 this morning. Uh, We don't have a video of the Scripture reading. It's going to be me doing the Scripture reading. So uh, Genesis chapter 1 in verses 26 and 27, which I believe is going to appear on the screen at some point. There we go. Reading from the New International Version, God's holy word says this, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word that's given to us. Lord, I do ask that you would be honored by the preaching of it today, that you would speak to the hearts and minds of those here online to not only inform them, but transform them into your likeness. Thank you for the gift of your word. We pray these things in your precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Well, today, uh, you know, we're kind of transitioning in between series, so I was given the opportunity a while ago by our pastor, Tim, to just select whatever text I wanted to, uh, which can be difficult. I, I prefer preaching through the books of the Bible, but when you just kind of grab one out, I want to I always make sure that we treat it properly in its context. But I want to talk to you about uh, the Imago Dei. Now, if you're not familiar with that term, that is the Latin term uh, for the image of God. That's one that's... Uh, put out there a lot through different theological discussions. Um, and, and, you know, I, I asked you to be seated, but I want you to know that you, can, uh, you shouldn't get too comfortable. Uh, so I hope you didn't come expecting the Sunday after Christmas you were going to get too comfortable, but I just I want to prepare you for what's going to happen in a few moments. You know, uh, it is a great thing to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is it not? is a great thing, is it not? Yes, okay. Uh, y'all need some more after Christmas coffee, I see. Our, our pastor has begun to drink coffee now, so he might be running to uh, Los Angeles today instead of driving. We'll see. Jesus Christ is a wonderful, wonderful celebration. Uh, and it's interesting that in the, in the goodness of God, I woke up this morning with just this just assurance of no matter how twisted things get, no matter how off things get, and we're going to talk a little bit about that in relation to the Imago Dei today, uh, Jesus Christ is still Lord. Jesus Christ didn't just uh, be born in a manger. He wasn't, didn't just grow up to be crucified. He was buried. He is resurrected. He has ascended, and He rules on high. But as we think about this this topic, this text in the image of God, the Imago Dei, uh, what does God want us to know about being made in His image? That is something I began to wrestle with. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Tanya and I were blessed by a couple from our church who remain nameless, Mark and Bianca Frederick, to watch the kids so we could go out on a date. And part of that was going to see a movie. And prior to that movie, during the 600,000 previews that they showed, they showed a preview for the upcoming Uncharted movie. Now, uh, Uncharted is going to star Tom Holland. And and you may know Tom Holland as who? Spider-Man. 
Uh, that's who he plays right now. And, and, and as that preview began to play, Tanya leaned over to me and said, isn't it going to be impossible to see him as anything other than Spider-Man? I mean, it, the movie looks decent. It's based on a popular video game series, but that image brought something to mind when we both saw him. Images are powerful things in our lives. And when we think about the image of God, there are so many reasons to study a text like this. First of all, it's in the Bible. Secondly, I believe it's vital to us understanding who we are in relation to God. It is also vital to us understanding who we are in relation to one another. It is vital in fully appreciating the work of the gospel in us, or the possibility of that if we've not yet received the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it should inform us on how we view issues nowadays that are kind of hotly debated or discussed, like immigration, like racism, like sexism, like the homeless population with camps all around the Bay Area and, frankly, very close to where we live right now. It should inform us on how we view issues on adoption, foster care. It should inform us on how we view the handicapped, either physically or mentally. But what does God want us to know about being made in His image? What does God want us to know about the Imago Dei? I really began to wrestle with this as I looked at this passage. When we look at a text like this, we are left with the realization that there are statements here about us, meaning us as humanity, being made that are unique to us alone, that we bear the image of God. Now, if we were to be in this book, and we were to do all of the passages preceding verses 26 and 27, we would see, and God created, and it was good. And he talks about separating uh, light and night. Uh, you know, he talks about creating animals, plants, all those kinds of things. But when it comes to talking about us, meaning human beings, he says, we are made in his image. We are unique. So now, here's what I want you to do. If you are able to, I would ask you to stand right now. I want you to stand up. I want you to look around, and I want you to find somebody, like, like, like look at somebody that you either don't know at all or you don't know well. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you to go to them, and I want you to tell them something unique about yourself. Now, if they don't know you at all, anything is probably going to be unique, right? Uh, and so I want you to take a couple of moments, go find somebody, and, and just both of you share something unique about yourselves. Go ahead and do that now. All right, all right, why don't you go ahead and make your way back to your seat. All right, sit down, but don't get too comfortable. I'm just kidding. This is the last time I'm going to make you stand during, during the sermon. I, I hope you learned something unique. Uh, I hope that's not something you're going to necessarily use against them in the future. Uh, I don't know how personal you all got, but... Uh, each one of us are unique. Uh, we are all made in God's image. But we're, we're unique in the sense that, that, that God only says about us the Imago Dei. Y'all, every single one of you are special to God. But, but even as we think about the Imago Dei, we need to be very careful. And, and while we're going to continue to talk about the fact that we are unique in all of the parts of creation 
and we are special. I, I want to defer to a pastor who you may or may not know, and his name is Matt Chandler. He had this to say about the image of God. As created beings, we are not the point. God is the point. You see, we are not made in God's image so that we can have this sort of look-at-me attitude or posture as we go about our lives. In this day and age where selfies reign supreme on Instagram, Snapchat, etc., even the redeemed image bearers, redeemed in Jesus Christ, are not to make it all about themselves. In the Christian life, there are what we might call tensions. Intentions might be this. We enjoy his creation, which I think we are to do. We enjoy hiking, cycling, running, surfing, eating meat. But the tension would be turning those things into the primary things, where our entire life revolves around those things, where we set our schedules, our, 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 our lives around those activities. And as far as the image of God or the Imago Dei, there is a tension. Because when we look in the mirror, we see different things. Uh, so I'm going to show you some pictures. When we look in the mirror, we might see this expression. Or we might see the next expression. Or we might see this expression. If you're not familiar with that, that's Mr. Bean, Rowan Atkinson. I I just love him. I I was looking for a way to get him in there. The point of it is, like, we are inundated with images nowadays, right? I mean, all of us are are staring at our phones almost all the time. And you might be staring at it now because you're, uh, you know, in the Bible or checking the score. Some of you might be. But, But the fact of the matter is, there are these images all throughout. But a specific tension in the image of God is this. We look in the mirror and we're never satisfied with what we see. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not as good looking as. I'm not as pretty as. Or we can go to the opposite extreme. Look at me. I'm glad that I look better than Tim. Y'all are laughing a little too hard at that. I'm glad I'm skinnier then, or, or frankly, in the history of this country, when we think about the Imago Day, too many people said, I'm glad I was not born this way. I'm glad I was not born with this color of skin. The list goes on and on. It's easy to see what we want to see or what we don't want to see in ourselves or others, mistreating the image of God. There's a tension there. In the history of the people of Israel, there was this tension when when Saul was kind of the original king and and, and the hand of God had come off of him and the prophet Samuel was tasked with finding his successor, the next king, and he goes to this this family and when he comes upon this family, he sees this guy where he, he just assumes this must be the guy. And I don't know what he looked like. Maybe he was the Old Testament version of, of Dwayne Johnson or The Rock. And, and, and to Samuel, he thought, this has got to be the next king. But, but here is the response by the Lord in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. The Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart's. 
we have this tension historically in America. Historically in America, in the Imago Dei, history would tell us, it's just fact, that if you were of African descent, you were not considered a full person. You are less than. More recently, when we think about the Imago Dei, if you are of Asian heritage, COVID-19 must be your fault. Or you are in America, speak English already. And unfortunately, these things have not been relegated to places outside of the church. If, if social media has taught us anything about these kinds of issues, it's that they're issues within the church as well. And we've not necessarily done as a church a better job of treating image bearers with the kind of dignity that should be a regular discipline for us. So one thing is for sure. Image bearing, the Imago Dei, is off. Genesis 3 would give us the fall, is what we call as a church, the original sin, when Adam and Eve were told, you can have everything you want, but don't eat of this tree. But they did. It, it is off because of verses like 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, when it says, the God, lower G, God of this age, has blinded the minds of unbelievers, those who are not in Christ, so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, Christ, listen to this, who is the Imago Dei of God. And we see Christ in Colossians 1.15 when it says, The Son, Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. In fact, Daniel Darling in his book, The Dignity Revolution, had this to say about Jesus Christ. That Christ in his humanity, fully embodies the image of God. We see this in the gospel stories. He fully obeys the Father by taking the cup of wrath. He fully rules over creation by calming the seas and healing the sick. He fully loves his neighbor as himself by coming to serve and not be served. Jesus, as the fullest embodiment of humanity, reconciling fallen sinners to himself and his kingdom, is creating image bearers ready to live out their image-bearing purposes. His resurrecting, restoring work in us is preparing for us an eternity of imaging God in perfect reflection of and connection with our Creator. But we are not there yet, folks. We have not yet entered into that eternity at this point, but rather we are told are preparing for it. And as we prepare for it and consider the Imago Dei, I think we can see, first of all, that the creation account in the book of Genesis communicates our worth to God. Look at verse 26 in the first part once again. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. So what does God want us to know about being made in his image? First of all, we see the Trinity here. The Trinity is this, that our God is one in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When we see the language of us, of our, we see that all of the Trinity is involved in creating all of creation and in us. We are made in His image. And the Trinity is, is a word that is to describe God in three persons. But it's not just in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament. One of the most famous passages in the New Testament is the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18-20. Jesus starts that off by saying, All authority under heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then in verse 19, He says this, Therefore... 
So he says, because all authority has been given to me, go and make disciples of all nations, all people groups, all ethnic groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our God is one in three persons. He says, after our likeness. The likeness of God is the fact that we are made special according to the created order. We are unique. We are special. But what does it mean to be made in the likeness of God? Does it mean that we physically look like God? How close are we to that? I'm going to defer to another author. His name is D.A. Horton. He wrote in his book, Intentional, the following. He said, every human being has been created in the Imago Dei, the image of God. This means that we all, look around, make eye contact with somebody. We all, it's okay, I'm not making you stand up again. Make eye contact with somebody. We all bear, in a limited way, characteristics of God's image. Qualities such as, listen to this, morality, personality, rationality, and spirituality that make us distinct from the rest of God's creation. Acknowledging that every person has been created in God's image is the most basic affirmation we can make about others. All people of every ethnicity, gender, and social class has the dignity of an image bearer, and we are therefore due equal respect. And these kinds of traits are only reflective of humanity. We alone possess the capacity for these things. Regardless of our background, where we were born, what economic class we are in right now. So we never want to elevate one person above another. I am not more valuable to God because I'm a pastor here at Church of the Valley than any one of you. And while we are all created in the image of God, that image can be most fully displayed in the person who has set their hope on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. For us as Christians, it's important to connect always the Old Testament to the New Testament and the full revelation of Scripture. Speaking to the church, the Holy Spirit through Paul to the church at Ephesus says this in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 23. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful, deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is us, Christians, who've acknowledged our sin, our need for forgiveness of our sin, and the fact that that's only made possible by Jesus Christ. But here, what I'm not saying I'm not saying that if you are in Christ, that gives you or us a pass to mistreat non-Christians in whatever form that might take. I'm also not saying that non-Christians don't bear the image of God, the Imago Dei. They do. But I think that can be most fully displayed in the political divide these days, right? Not just outside the church, but within the church. Those conversations can go really bad sometimes when we talk about politics. That's why many of us avoided it when we gathered around our family. In fact, addressing this very issue in their book, Compassion and Conviction, the Anne Campaign, really Justin Gibney wrote this. Some Christians are more willing to defend their ideological tribe than the Christian faith. It's imperative that Christians are deliberate about avoiding partisan and ideological indoctrination. 
We also compromise our faith when we look at political tribes for validation simply because we want to belong. Our partisan and ideological affiliations should never become religious in nature. And it's really easy when we look at something like that and we think about politics and we think, well, yeah, man, this other person, they always do that to me, right? But the gospel of Jesus Christ means that that other person on the other side of the political aisle, that Christ died for them. That you are not more redeemable because you think different politically than they do. How we talk about image bearers of God matters to Him. How we think about image bearers, whether we say that thought out loud, matters to God. That person that is not in Christ, who is nasty to work with, that celebrity who seems to have a propensity for moral failure and is proud of it, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, they are all made in the image of God and not beyond his reach. But that's hard to reconcile with. The reality of the gospel is that there is not a person that has walked this earth or will ever walk this earth that is beyond the reach of Jesus Christ. But I am saying that if we are in Christ, we're, we're given a new self. We're created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And, and you know what, folks? Here's my unashamed plug for, for getting involved in a cohort. That can be achieved by living in community with one another. Sunday mornings is not it in the Christian life. You, you, you need to be in each other's lives. None of your business should not be a term in our church family. We need to be in each other's business. We need to be sharpening one another in our faith. And then we can speak into each other's lives and say, hey, maybe you're a little off in how you're treating an image bearer of God, whether they're in Christ or not. But just for many other reasons, come to a cohort. You will be blessed by it. So what does God want us to know about being made in his image? That in Christ we look forward to the completion of that image. To reflect who we were truly created to reflect. And ultimately we see that 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 is a future that is reserved for humanity alone because in the creation account in Genesis elevates our worth above all other aspects of creation. All other aspects of creation. Look at the second part of verse 26 once again. So that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all creatures that move along the ground. Part of the created order is us being made in his image to have dominion over, to have control over the fish of the sea, over the birds, and over the livestock. So there's like a stewardship principle here. We need to keep that in mind that that we have dominion over animals. We have control over animals, not the other way around. And Dominion doesn't mean we can just be frivolous. Well, I have dominion over this cat, so I'm going to kick it. Like, that's, that's foolish. I would be more prone to do that versus a dog, because I'm more of a dog person. But we have a cat at home that I don't kick, by the way. We, we see this alluded to in James chapter 3, verse 7. James chapter 3, verse 7 says this, All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now, now to be clear, the point of this text 
is watch what you say. Like our tongues get out of control too often, right? Our thing with our son Matthew sometimes is, was that wise to say? Yes, and now he's shrinking like a turtle in a shell. But I'm the same way, right? Tanya's especially the way. Uh, uh, yeah, see, I just did it. The point of that text is, look, careful what you say, but even in that, it's connecting to the Old Testament and saying, like, we have dominion, like, we tame animals. They don't tame us. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says this, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed. This is written to the church into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This is not said about a dog. It's not said about a hedgehog or an ostrich or those rose bushes in front of your house that are so beautiful. It's only said about humanity. So what does God want us to know about being made in his image? We must remember that we hold a special place in creation. We have dominion over creation. We are unique in creation. We are unique in specific ways, too, because what does God want us to know about being made in his image? He wants us to know that the creation account in Genesis sees men and women of all ethnic groups as unique and yet equally valuable. That's what he wants us to know. Look at verse 27 once again. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Just so you know, if you hadn't ever noticed, God distinguishes male and female only with humanity. Now, we know there are male and female dogs, male and female cats, all, all kinds of animals possess one sex or the other sex. But, but he only distinguishes that here. And, and I, I think Part of that is we are unique because we're human. And part of it is to say men are not more valuable than women. Women are not more valuable than men. We possess a kind of dignity, a kind of worth to God. But we need to make sure that that we're on the right track when we think about that. Because again, Democrats... Or Republican. Blacks Lives Matter activists or neo Nazi. They're all created in the image of God. Men are not more than or less than women. Women are not more than or less than men. They are drastically different, they are unique. There are things about my wife. That, that are unique to her versus me because she is uniquely created in the image of God. And, and written to the church once again in the book of Colossians, the Holy Spirit through Paul says this, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new, the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator the Imago Day. I'm going to go back to Matt Chandler once again. And speaking about the image of God, he says this. The most debilitated human being, when we think about the Imago Day, is more valuable than Seabiscuit. Now, if you don't know, Seabiscuit was a racehorse. It was a movie with 
Tim's favorite uh, Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire. If you know Tim at all, you know that's absolutely not true. It was a good movie. I didn't know about the horse before I saw the movie. But what he's trying to communicate there is whether you can run 15 miles or you can't walk five feet, you are just as valuable to God as that other person. But I have a question for you. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? Is the Imago Dei something that you really believe? And I have a follow-up question. How are you going to live that out? How is that going to change the way you talk about image bearers of God this week, today? It's easy when it's somebody you get along with. It's different when it's somebody you want to punch in the face. And it's different when we've all come from different contexts, different backgrounds. And I'll close with this. Going back to D.A. Horton and his book, Intentional, he said this, classism, racism, segregation, and sexism will not be a part of God's kingdom. Never again will families be separated by borders and deportation. Never will children be trafficked and sold. Poverty will never claim another life because in the city of God, death has died. But as we're moving forward to that church, we're in the not yet period. It matters how we treat image bearers of God. All of us. It matters how we think about them. I'm going to invite Malik to come on up, but I'm going to pray for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, guide us to worship you. Guide us to honor you. Heavenly Father, may we be people who want to magnify you fully. May we truly treat image bearers of God as you've called us to treat them. In Jesus' precious name, amen.